dirt road in a gooseneck saddle up with me dry land in god's country crops far as i can see headlights on both ends of my day this country life is for me ride with us hpj ride Welcome, folks, to HPJ Talk, the podcast from High Plains Midwest Ag Journal, bringing the ag news and commentary of the week to you. I'm Associate Editor Jennifer M. Latsky, and I'm joined by my colleague, Associate Editor Kayleen Scott. Hey, Kayleen. Hey, Jenny. Holy buckets. It's wet out there. <laughs> I haven't looked at the uh, at the rain gauge at my house in town, but... I'm guessing we've probably got over two inches, three inches of rain. They're starting to see flooding in Chapman, so. At least that much. Yeah, we all had a little bit of uh, excitement here last Friday, didn't we, Kayleen? Yeah, there's always Friday excitement. (laughs) Yeah, so for those of you listening to this, uh, we're recording this on Tuesday the 21st, and last Friday, which would have been the 17th, the 17th, Um, There was a major storm system that covered most of Kansas, Oklahoma, and parts of Texas. Yeah. And by now, we've had so many multiple storm systems that Sunday was about the only day that the sun actually came out. But these storm systems are massive. Yeah, they're covering states from Texas all the way up to South Dakota and North Dakota. So Friday's storm system, it started throwing tornadoes in uh, Oklahoma in the panhandles and then it decided to to wander north it went on walkabout (laughs) and uh we had we had pretty much everybody in the editorial department had some sort of run-in with a tornado of some sort yes at our homes (laughs) Kayleen you and your sister were on opposite sides of one that was the one few weeks ago she was okay I am starting to run them all together yeah She's actually out of town and wanted me to go put their pickup under the hay shed to make sure, because it had major hail damage last summer mm-hmm. when they were in South Dakota, so she wanted to protect it again. <laughs> and I went up there and put it in the hay shed and kind of looked at the clouds, and it kind of felt kind of funny. And Yeah, that feeling kind of funny, that is the lizard part <laughs> of your brain that we don't talk about that's like, danger, 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 get your butt inside. Yes, well, the lightning was to the west. There was a pretty serious looking storm. They were saying from uh, Calvesta up north, kind of over to Jetmore and over that way, which is kind of north and west of her house. Mm-hmm. And then I could see the one building up that was crossing over into Kansas and coming up for Mead and I felt kind of... Like, I needed to leave my car in their, in their hay shed. And mm-hmm. So I called my other sister, and I'm like, come get me, because I'm going to leave my car up here, so don't get hailed on. And we hung out and watched the watched the radar and the weather at Mom's, and yeah, it was exciting. Yeah, so the sirens go off in Dodge, no matter if there's a tornado coming directly at Dodge proper, or if it's going to split and go to the south or the north. Mm-hmm. And they do that because they want everybody to be weather aware, and yeah. also... The, the far edges of the towns, um, they can hear our sirens. And yeah. so it's it's just added precautions. But I tend to take the dog, my purse, my shoes, and, and my passport <laughs> down to the basement anytime that the sirens go off. And yeah. Um, yeah, 
sirens work really good. Yeah, I'm nine miles north of town, and I didn't, I wasn't home obviously this last time, but I've heard them at my house. Yeah. So they're they're pretty loud. And not only that, so this tornado system it crossed. I counted seven counties. So from Oklahoma up through Meade County, Ford County, Clark County. Yeah. Gray. I mean, honestly, yeah, it went from Oklahoma all the way up to Great Bend before it finally petered out. Yeah. And most of the people that I care about are in the middle of that path. (laughs) And I don't care about a lot lot of people, folks. I just don't. (laughs) I texted Diana because there was a tornado coming straight to Ford. And I was Mm -hmm. like, are you in the basement? (laughs) She says yes. She was until her husband picked her up and they decided to go wandering through the tornadoes. It is what it is. So we talk about this and we kind of jokingly talk about it. But um, one one lesson to be learned is, and, and you brought it up too, oftentimes the reporters out of the major metro areas, because our, our major metro areas, Wichita and Topeka, are pretty much the two places that have any sort of, of um, uh Coverage. Coverage. So that's where our major channels are based out of, the CBS affiliates, NBC, ABC, et cetera. Now, Kansas and Oklahoma are prime destinations for uh, graduating meteorologists and weather casters to come to. Mm-hmm. It's like the big leagues because we have weather events like yes. this. That typically means that in any given year, we have new fresh faces doing the weather reporting on, you know, the live mm-hmm. on the ground type stuff. So mistakes will be made. Long story <laughs> short, when they're young, mistakes will be made. We've made our share of mistakes. So one thing we'd love is if they'd stop saying, and the the old hands at meteorology and weather casting never say, well, it's just a rural area. It's just over, it's just over unpopulated rural areas Mm -hmm. because the old hands understand there's farmhouses out there. That comment just drives me completely insane because around here, there's just as many people that live in the rural areas as in some of the towns, like Ford, for instance, yep. they were saying there's maybe 100 people that live there. There's probably three times that amount of people that live around Ford. Well, and about 1,000 head of cattle yeah. no, just well, north of Ford. No, there's more than that at the feed yard. There's <laughs> probably 30,000 head. Yeah, exactly. So um, if, if you're out there and listening and you have any power to talk to somebody like that, just remind them gently. Um, just because there's not a major population center doesn't mean that it's not populated yeah. because we had some farmhouses that were destroyed. Yeah. We, um, no fatalities, no casualties yeah. that I can hear. Um, but yeah, there, there were some grain bins and some machine sheds and there's some destruction out yeah. there. So, um, but here's the irony that, Tornado. It's raining as we're recording it's this again. As it, that, rain, that sound is the rain on the roof again. Um, the irony is that system had, what, seven hours that it was on the ground? Oh, at least. At least. And it crossed seven counties. And it had every opportunity to hit multiple cities mm-hmm. in, you know, cities and small towns in those counties. And it veered at the last second. Yeah. I mean, there could have been some made, and it was spawning two tornadoes at a time. So, mm-hmm. folks, grace of God here, we are doing better at weather forecasting. Yes. We're doing better at, at storm chasing and getting the, the knowledge to people so that they get shelter quickly. Well, I, I was watching a storm chaser, actually listening to it yesterday and in Oklahoma, and it was supposed to be a big deal. There were supposed to be multiple destructive large tornadoes, and 
they didn't get as big as they were saying. And there mm-hmm. was comments that people were upset because they made such a big deal out of it. And the tornadoes didn't happen at, like they were thinking. But it's better to be safe than sorry when yeah. it comes to a, a large tornado. And now they're dealing with heavy rain and flooding. Man, I don't know about you. And I rarely I rarely say this, but I have been saying a prayer that it kind of dries up here shortly. Um, just a bit, just a bit so we can get planting done so that we can get out of this severe weather system. Um, and that my driveway dries out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cause I don't think you want me wearing my stinky mud boots in the office. <laughs> I don't think that's mud, Kayleen. No, there's mud in there somewhere. Oh, look, barely 10 minutes and we had our first poop joke. <laughs> hey now. Um, yeah, we're, we're looking at, uh, delayed planting all up and down our high plains region that we cover. And if you are in the shop or in the farm office and you're catching up on your podcast and you're joining us, thanks. And, uh, we'd love to hear from you about your delayed planting and just what you're doing to fill that time. Uh, so do you have an art project going on in the welding bay? Are you maybe working on that honeydew list that you've put off because, Hey, planting season's coming up, honey. I'm, I'm sorry. I just can't get to it. Um, drop us a line at hpjtalk at hpj.com. Let us know. Alrighty. In this week's episode, we're going to bring you the stories that you might have missed in the May 20th print edition. We have part one of our interview with Natasha Nichols of the blog House Full of Nichols. And Kayleen and I talk about connecting Chicago consumers to agricultural knowledge. That was a fun interview, Kayleen. Yeah, she's pretty cool. And of course, uh, Kayleen's going to bring us the latest on grain markets and we'll have some final thoughts. So if you're one of the lucky ones listening to this on the tractor in the tractor cab, please be safe out there. And if you're waiting out the rain in the shop, we're thinking of you and we're praying for some drying winds. And thanks for choosing to ride with us on HPJ Talk. week's Midwest Ag Journal cover story was from Kayleen, Protecting the Herd, where she talks about what could happen if African swine fever goes global and how the U.S. pork industry is trying to prepare for it. Our High Plains Journal cover story was from Jenny, Choosing Gain Over Grain, where she talks about the factors that play into choosing to graze out wheat for cattle gains or taking it to grain. Inside on page 1 to 2b, Managing Editor Dave Bergmeier brings us further coverage of the stalled planting season, and what it could mean for growers. Jenny brings us news of the USDA NAS crop production report for wheat on page 3b. The report dated May 10th forecasts U.S. wheat yield at 50.3 bushels per acre, up from last year's average of 47.9 bushels per acre. On our opinions and editorials page 4b, editor-publisher Holly Martin writes about how to invest in a rural community. Seymour clearly writes about how Democratic contenders would rather run for president than the U.S. Senate. And Candace Newton of Nutrient Ag Solutions Loveland, Colorado, writes to the editor to talk about Mental Health Awareness Month and how farmers need not consider it a taboo topic. On our livestock page, Kayleen brings us news from New Mexico State 4-H officials, which are letting participants know that Expo New Mexico facility in Albuquerque is being used as temporary housing of migrants. Therefore, the horse school, June 3rd to 6th, will move to Las Cruces at the New Mexico State University Horse Farm Equestrian Center 
and the Northern Regional Livestock School June 7th and 8th will have to be canceled because it cannot change its venue this late. Remember, if you have a response to something you've heard or read, or there's a local topic that you want to bring to the attention of our readers and listeners, please write us at journal at hpj.com or hpjtalk at hpj.com. Or you can always call us at the office, 1-800-452-7171. We want to hear from you. We had such a great time chatting with Natasha Nichols of House Full of Nichols that we've chosen to split our interview into two parts. Here's part one. Well, welcome Natasha Nichols, um, known to you all on the Twitterverse as House Full of Nichols. Um, she's got We Sew, We Grow, a, a project in Chicago. She's a Chicago mom and a blogger and a gardener and a homeschooler to four beautiful kiddos. Natasha, did I leave anything out? Uh, no, um, that's, that's pretty much Pretty much all, all of I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, you keep about as busy as we do in, in AgCom, so good for you. <laughs> um, so you and I met a couple of years back when you spoke at the Agricultural Media Summit, and we realized that Janice Person, now of Bear, formerly of Monsanto, she's a common denominator, and she's known far and wide for creating bridges between agriculture and people from the city. So, Natasha, how did you connect with Janice and maybe talk about one of those really neat experiences that that um, she brought to you. I, I seem to recall there was a beekeeping tour and a really cool picture of you in a beekeeping suit. <laughs> oh, that's one of the very few, well, not few, one of the many things that I've gotten to do, cool things that I've gotten to do because of uh, Janice. But I met Janice actually over Twitter. She was uh, someone who was very interactive with people from large cities and and very, very proud of the work that she did with Monsanto. And at the time, uh, 2012, I think, was around the time that, that I became aware of her. And that's when the whole GMO organic conversation really started ramping up um, because, you know, there were, there were very loud voices on one side, obviously. Mm-hmm. And when I met her in person, in Chicago in 2013 at a blogger conference, and I believe I may have screamed like she was a rock star when <laughs> I saw her. So um, it's it's pretty interesting. Uh, and as far as cool experiences with her, I had the pleasure of serving on a blogger advisory board for for Monsanto for two years, mm-hmm. and. As part of that, we went to California and got to visit a tomato processing plant. Fine. And also a tomato farm. And then we were able to visit headquarters in St. Louis and uh, have that beekeeping experience where um, we we got <laughs> outfitted fully <laughs> <laughs> and and got to got to really get you know up close and personal with uh, some beehives and that was that was quite. Um, the adventure. So she's she's been able to introduce us to, you know, quite a few amazing things since we've met. So Kayleen and I, we, we do stories for a living on agriculture. We go all over our coverage area, covers 12 states, but occasionally we get to go outside of our coverage area and we get to see agriculture that's not familiar to us. 
So I got to say, I went up to Idaho last summer, and the one thing I wanted to see was a potato cellar, because these things are about as big as an airplane hangar, and they bury them halfway underground, and they're they're full of potatoes. <laughs> the guys that were on the bus with me are, are you sure it's just a cellar? And I go, no, that's really cool. <laughs> right, because it's something that you you haven't, you know, you haven't seen before. And it's kind of the same way I think when people from rural areas come to visit Chicago mm-hmm. and their eyes are huge. And, you know, in my head, I'm like, eh, it's just, you know, it's just a big city. Um, but they're like, no, seriously, you have so much to do here. So it's, it's nice to see something from uh, the point of view of someone who isn't, you know, used to it at all. That's the best part about our job, right, Kayleen? Yeah, and it's kind of the same reaction we get from people that, that ask, well, where are you from? And you say Dodge City, and they assume <laughs> certain things, and it's not always true. But <laughs> I just finished up a story about urban farming and. It was actually some of the speakers that I heard at the Bayer meeting before Commodity Classic, and one of them was a um, person in New York City that she's a consultant with the uh, agritecture, and they help companies get started building. You know, there was a rooftop farm. There was other different different projects they're working on. So you've started We Sow, We Grow, and you, you call yourself a part-time homesteader in the middle of Chicago. Um, talk a little bit about that project and what you've learned and why it's important for you and your neighbors to have this community garden. What kind of hurdles, that moment of pride, you know, the, those sort of things. Okay. Well, We Sow We Grow started in unofficially in 2016. Uh, we had been living here in, in our home for about a year and a half by then. And we purposely made sure to buy a home that had an area that I could have my own garden in. If you're familiar with Chicago, you are familiar with the fact that we have not a lot of green space to garden on. Mm-hmm. Oh, for um, sure. <laughs> not in the newer, not in the newer areas. And I lived in one of the the newer areas where our house went from the front sidewalk to the alley, so there was no backyard space at all. Wonderful house, but just n- no space, you know, to to grow anything. Um, unless I use my win, uh, win, uh, window fields. <laughs> and when we when we got over this way, um, we did the backyard garden, and it went wonderfully. There's a lot of, in our new neighborhood, there's a lot of empty lots mm-hmm. um, from where old buildings, you know, old banks and everything. We're a city of neighborhoods, obviously, and a lot of these were just old buildings that were raised so that they could make way for new buildings, but the new buildings aren't coming up as fast as the city would like. So uh, we asked our aldermen if we could use the space in order to uh, create a community garden. And our the direction that we were heading in was to rent out raised beds for people in the community. And that was the, the plan when we first started. And we realized that that wasn't the plan that we were going to be able to do at all. Mostly because our community, we're... We're extremely young for our community, and I'm going to be 40 next year. So that's saying a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. I think the average age of our, our neighbors is probably 68. Oh, wow. Um, 68, and they're mostly retired, and they're living in homes that, are, that have already been paid off. So we have the highest rate of homeowners in the city, oh, wow. or highest percentage of homeowners in the city. So, you know, there, there comes a... A, a certain attitude 
with with that edit. I've already paid my dues for the the neighborhood. You're new in my neighborhood. How about we just garden together? So we went from wanting to do paid raised beds to anybody who wants to volunteer can come through and volunteer. Mm-hmm. And then it would be a trade off with produce. That wouldn't work as as well as we thought. Uh, because people started realizing that farming is hard work. <laughs> and, you know, it's something that happens outside, and it's something that has bugs and mud and dirt <laughs> and, you know, bug bites and everything. But they have no problem purchasing from us. So they're involved. They'll come through. You know, they'll sit with us while we're working and ask a lot of questions. So we changed what we wanted to provide, and that was an educational experience, still with the option of people being able to come and volunteer. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the the uh, model that we're using right now. And it, it's, uh, I call it our, our first affiliate garden of We Sow, We Grow, um, because I'm hopeful that we'll be able to start more affiliates across the nation, um, where it's more of an educational farm that still sells, but it's not your normal, you know, run-of-the-mill community garden. Mm -hmm. Because what I've realized in Chicago is community gardens tend to be for more affluent or or younger folks. And a a lot of people who do it in certain pockets of the city are either very well off and they can afford to possibly maybe throw away, you know, $90 a year for the plot and not really do a lot with Mm -hmm. it. Or... Um, they can they can afford you know fifty dollars a year and they don't grow very many things. Um, it's just your typical tomatoes and cucumbers and then greens, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas we the year before last, I think we grew like a little, like sixty four varieties, different varieties of tomatoes, and that blew the minds of so many people mm-hmm. because you know grocery stores you go in you have your typical grape or cherry tomato, right? Your salad mm-hmm. tomatoes. Then you have your slicing tomatoes, and you have your green tomatoes. And slicing tomatoes are typically huge red beefsteak tomatoes that people go. And then they're not like, they're lacking flavor. And then you have your heirlooms, which typically, by the time they get to the grocery store, are super soft. And, and you know, you don't want to buy them at four ninety nine a pound because they're, they're soft. Yep. Uh, they're pretty, but you pick them up and they're mush. <laughs> and we were able to grow the, you know, in the on the farm and people were able to get them when they were ripe instead of after they had traveled however many miles to get to our grocery store. And, you know, they were they were able to help us out. So that's how it was born. And it was also born out of a, a desire to get connected with our community in general and get to know more of the people who live in our neighborhood. So Natasha, you mentioned you spoke with your alderman. So were there some were there some city regulations or any rules that you had to follow as far as the plot or the selling of that produce cuz sometimes we find out our direction even in our little bitty towns that there may be some regulations about farmers kind of markets that type of thing but does Chicago have anything like that that you had to work around? Uh well because I'm I'm qualified as a nonprofit we are able to be zoned for selling our produce and our, our alderman is an alderman who's not seen often at all. If, if, if she, <laughs> I can say it that way. Uh, yeah, she's not, she's not seen often. So we're hoping, 
you know, this year and next we'll see a little bit more of her. But it was, you know, we can't have, like, uh, we haven't been able to put a fence up, so we're working now. We're fundraising so that we can buy our own land because we're on borrowed land right now. And we want to be able to buy the land that we're staying on so that we can fence it in to discourage folks just coming in in the middle of the night and just picking whatever they want to pick. And uh, also maybe add some uh, meat goats because we can have them here in Chicago. You can have but, goats uh, in Chicago? Yeah, <laughs> we, can have, we can have goats. We can have goats. We can have chickens and roosters. I don't have any roosters because I hate crowing all day. <laughs> um, <laughs> that is that is my that is my my ag uh, confession. Right? Yeah, roosters get on my nerves. Um, we can have yes, we can have roosters, goats, and chickens. Huh? I, that's cool. That and, is so and cool. And ducks, ducks, turkeys, rabbits, those both types of things. Yeah. That is nifty. If you if you're ever in the market for rabbits, let me know. I I might have a connection in Kansas, and she's got kids in Chicago, so. We might be able to okay. work a plan for you. <laughs> okay. So I, I got to say, I've, I've followed you on Twitter since Ag Media Summit, and I just love, love, love the perspective that you bring because it's so easy, right, Kayleen, for us in Ag to just talk over our consumers, but you really bring the good questions. And my moment of pride was when I got to answer your question about the difference between beef cows and dairy cows, and I just got to say... That animal science minor actually came in handy. Thank you so much. You used it. I used it. I'm so proud. Um, so, um, and you just got a really cool blogger award, and you got a picture with superstar Jared Padalecki, who's from Supernatural and is like 10 feet tall and is all sorts of adorable, just sweet. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah, my life is pretty, pretty, uh, pretty amazing at times. I'm, I'm just so hashtag jealous. It's not even funny. <laughs> Someday, Kayleen, I'm going to see if he's, if he starts raising any sort of like livestock or, or crops. You're going to be all over that? I'm going to be all over that. Actually, he and his wife do farm yeah. on, on their property. That's good. That's uh, why they have like llamas. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they're very, they're very, they're very into growing their, uh, if you follow her on, on, um, Instagram? Instagram? On yeah. Instagram. She does a lot of behind the scenes with her chicken coop and um, she does, uh, all really? the food that she's growing. It's, it's amazing. I've yeah. forgotten about that. Oh, my gosh. See, next next cover story. I've got to make that happen. <laughs> You'll have to educate me because I'm in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> Kayleen is not a nerd like I am. She's, she's it, way cooler. It's, um, Supernatural is one of those things where you either know about, kind of like Game of Thrones. Um, yep. Um, you either watch it or you don't. It's yeah. not one of those things that you can kind of drop in and watch. And uh, she is correct. I'm 5'2". Jared Padalecki is like 10 feet. I, I think I said it, too, to his face. <laughs> you are really tall. And in the photo, you can see him squatting to be more my size. Uh, but he's not, he's not the... I don't want to say it just in case he listens to the podcast. Uh, he's not the only cool person that that I've met in this um, in this blogger time of mine, which uh, I count myself pretty pretty lucky mm-hmm. um, to be able to do because I've covered. So the blogging is my full time job, and then the urban farm is my second full time job. If that makes sense. Oh yeah. Um, so the blogging makes me money. The urban farm is my passion. 
And with blogging, I've been been lucky to meet the cast over Wrinkle in Time. So we got to interview them. You got um, to meet Oprah. <laughs> I did. I got to meet Oprah. And then I also met the cast of Black Panther and the cast of Ant-Man and the Wasp. So, oh, man. Um, we've doing, I've been doing pretty, pretty well these last couple of years uh, in general. So, yeah. I, I got to say, the Marvel movies are, are my other second favorite passion, and um, Kayleen is just lost <laughs> whenever I talk about them as well. <laughs> We're kind of you watch Game of Thrones, though. No, Kayleen, no, you no, no Thrones? I don't. No, and you weren't following all of everybody's either complete rage over this last season, or, or like, oh, no, I really loved it. Yeah, it's, yeah. No. <laughs> If it's not baseball or kids shows, so yeah, my my house is kind of <laughs> strange in what we watch on television. <laughs> That's not strange. It's just unique. It's it's what you what you do. There you go. Um, and the kids shows, I still watch Arthur, and my youngest, my twins are going to be nine this year, and I'll watch Arthur on my own. So yeah, because it's who I am. It's just good sto- storytelling. That's what it is. It There's really good is. plots. 20-something <laughs> years and you're still going strong? Yeah, that's amazing. They've been watching Animaniacs on, on Hulu, and I think Animaniacs came out when I was a oh, teenager, yeah. maybe. Oh, yeah. And I hear that song, and I was like, oh, Lord. That's from my childhood, <laughs> and these kids are watching it. They're eight and five. Oh my goodness. <laughs> okay, so back to the okay, back to the back to the question. Sorry, we, we went down. Kayleen says I always go down rabbit holes, but they're fun rabbit holes. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, so you know, I followed you on Twitter and everything, and I get to I get to watch what you do because it's it's kind of fascinating coming from a small town in Kansas and living in Dodge City in Southwest Kansas and. My my entire you know career is around writing stories about farming and ranching and and guys with big equipment and but it's really neat for me to to see um, people that are are doing things in the urban setting to bring agriculture and farming and and that sort of working with your hands and the dirt to reality. Let's talk about some interactions that you've had with agriculture and agriculture yeah (laughs) pros and cons you know good not so good because i know that that there's always that one in a million guy that we're just like oh please don't don't go out in public dude (laughs) we do apologize Uh, there are there are no it's i mean i think it's in every industry so it's really not it's not one of those things that should be apologized for but i think standards perspective of farmers are these old, you know, weathered, wrinkled-faced men with big cowboy hats on, mm-hmm. um, leave jeans or, or, you know, boots and then plaid shirts, right? Right. Um, but then you wade onto Twitter, specifically ag Twitter, and you get a whole different story. Yeah. Um, you know, some of them are, are wonderful, and then others, not so much. And in January of this year, I wrote a very long thread to Ag Twitter, letting them know that people see you, you know, and people, people are reading the comments that you make and, you know, the general statements that you're making about customers. And we're, we're taking note of where you sell your milk or your, your, you know, your meat, um, your eggs. And we're kind of, we're kind of taking note of that. Uh, mm-hmm. Because a lot of the language can be racist, yeah. it can be misogynistic, it could be classist, you know, 
and we're not even we're not even going to go political wise. And for the most part, that thread had very good interactions. Uh, we did have a couple of women come through and say, "Well, I went through your Twitter feed, and there was a lot of stuff that I didn't agree with either." Mm-hmm. I said, "Well, that wasn't that wasn't the point. The point is that that I need you to agree with me. Did anything that I say?" offend you or use incendiary incendiary language you know uh was i was i calling you know all farmers whatever mm-hmm. um um was i um saying that an entire group of political people were whatever or am i stating mostly opinion backed by fact and then using just straight language which which is it and you know i never got a reply obviously but um <laughs> That was one of my, where I wrote it super early in the morning, and then I braced, um, because I know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I, know, I know how something like that can go, but for the most part, I think maybe one or two people kind of got out of pocket, but that was it. Otherwise, mm-hmm. it was, I got a lot of inboxes, a lot of inboxes, specifically from male farmers, stating that when they see that type of behavior, they don't like it but they don't say anything because they're afraid that they'll be outcast in their mm-hmm. own city. And that bothers yep. me a lot yeah. because if you can't stand up, you know, for, for the right thing, even in smaller cities, something's wrong, you know, yeah. uh, uh, as, as my mom would say, something's wrong in the milk. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, if, if you can't, if you can't do that and for it to be like super grown men, you know, this is not just a teenager saying this type of stuff. It's, yeah, I want to say something when they say, you know, when they make really, really bad uh, jokes about um, particular races or about women, mm-hmm. but I'm afraid that I'll lose my friends. And, you know, those friends should be, you know, feel the same way about making such callous comments. And we're not talking about good nature, you know, talking or whatever mm-hmm. that, that doesn't really apply to a specific group, but we're, we're talking about, you know, very tasteless jokes that you wouldn't say in mixed company at all. Oh, you know, um, I can remember, was, oh, sorry, I, I can remember back when, you know, Twitter and Facebook started getting ground, and as a as an ag communicator, I would go to these farm groups and I'd say, you need to go out there and have your voice be heard. You need to have your voice be heard. But you know what? Never in my wildest dreams did I ever think maybe your voice shouldn't be amplified. <laughs> I mean, honestly, um, I, I, th- I thought it was just a given that, you know what, you you polite. act and be polite as if you were sitting next to your grandma in church, as if you were sitting next to your neighbor at a ball game watching your kids play baseball. I mean, good golly, Miss Molly. <laughs> well, I do feel that a lot of folks believe that once it disappears off of their screen, that mm-hmm. it's gone forever and that people can't comb through um, their feed or find something. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it's not like we don't live in a world these days where the platform to be rude and spew really horrible things isn't welcomed. So so that doesn't help a lot. Yeah. Um, but it, it's a it's definitely it's definitely one of those things that was kinda eye opening, especially when I'm doing the work here to kind of connect customers to to farmers and yeah. You know, um, other neat things, the, the dairy cow, the dairy cattle um, versus beef cattle question was amazing because we learned that dairy cattle are used for things like hamburger meat in, you know, in, in lower grade um, places. It's not bad, but, mm-hmm. you know, 
it's not top of the line at all, like because they're not raised to, to be that way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, here I am telling the kids, well, I mean, one is bred specifically for the milk and one is bred specifically for the meat, not knowing that they they could cross over, not necessarily these cattle crossing over to dairy, though, but right. the other way around. So it was fun to learn that. Yeah, we just Another, take that for granted. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. It's, it's one of those things where I also get sarcastic answers whenever I ask stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, um, mostly I because I guess they assume if I'm using the the hashtag, then I should already know. We did way back. I did a question asking the difference between hay and straw, mm-hmm. and the horrible answers that I got from that. You know, and Aww. you know the memes with the jokes and everything. And I mean, you know, it's it's a good thing that I'm from Chicago because I'm I'm relatively thick skinned. But I was like, <laughs> how how are you all how are you all expecting respect from anyone if this is the type of response that you give to people who aren't in the industry? Yeah. And and that became more of fuel for me to make sure that people in larger cities knew what was going on because. Here it is, I'm supporting farmers, and I'm supporting the use of GMOs, and I'm supporting, you know, um, having a thousand head of cattle and everything. Meanwhile, they don't support the people who are buying their products, (laughs) and and that just didn't make a lot of sense to me at all. So, yeah, but as, like, good response, anytime I have growing questions or needing to get in contact with the right person at my extension for the Mm -hmm. city... Folks are always right there. And we have uh, a private gardening group on Facebook called We So We Grow Gardening Chat. And we have a couple farmers or ag representatives in there. And they jump in right away with questions that I may not know right off the, the bat because I'm um, going for my master in gardening certificate. But, you know, there's still stuff you, you just don't know. Yeah. You don't know. And you never know what you don't know until it's presented to you. Exactly. So we're exactly. trying to break that, that, that know-it-all-ness that so many people have being in an industry. Like, I don't know everything about large cities. Mm-hmm. Um, I know more than the, the, the person born in a rural area, but I don't know everything. Uh, the same way they may not know everything about farming or about types of farms. So I don't expect a cattle farmer to be able to tell me what a sugar beet farmer does (laughs) or, you know, a corn farmer to tell me exactly what a chicken farmer does. So when when we understand that lay of the land, um, I think we'll all be better for it. Join us next week for part two, where we'll continue our discussion on how agriculture can build better dialogues with our urban consumers. Your grain market prices from Dodd City's Pride Ag Resources on May 14th. Corn was up at $3.49. Wheat was up at $3.64. Milo was up at $2.99. And soybeans were up at $6.87. For generations, High Plains Journal's classified ads have been a go-to resource for all of your farm and ranch needs. And soon we will bring that same service and commitment to the digital sphere with our upgraded classifieds online. Check your upcoming issues for more details about this service or call 1-800-452-7171 to talk to one of our account executives. If you'd like to have crop or livestock targeted news emailed directly to you, sign up for our HPJ Direct email newsletters at our website, hpj.com slash sign up. Simply select the topics that interest you and you'll receive updates on them directly to your email.
Next week's print issue of High Plains Midwest Ag Journal is our conservation issue with a story by web editor Shauna Rumbaugh. Be sure to watch for that in your mailboxes May 27th. And as always, look for additional content online anytime at www.hpj.com. Remember, you can subscribe for free to this podcast at hpj.com podcasts. You can also find us on iTunes, Google Play, and wherever you download podcasts. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at HPJ Talk for news and commentary throughout the week. And you can always drop us a line at our email, hbjtalk at hbj.com. Thanks again for riding along with us, folks, as we bring ag news and commentary to you. And remember, as Dodge City's favorite lawman, Wyatt Earp, once said, fast is fine, but accuracy is everything. We'll see you on the trail. This has been a production of High Plains Journal, all rights reserved. Dirt road in a gooseneck, saddle up with me. Dry land in God's country, crops far as I can see. The headlights on both.